0: On a scale of 1 to 10, Mr. Customer, where do you think you stand? 10 being, love it cash, let's get this thing in motion. 1 being, get out of my house. Once they give you that number, they'll say the customer says they're an 8. Okay, well... What are those two points that's keeping you from being a 10? And you continue to peck at that and chip away at it until you extract the real reservation. They eventually get to, well, it's a little more expensive than I thought. So what I would do in that situation is build value because typically people don't buy purely based on price. They buy because they don't see the value that is associated with that price. So it's not a price issue. It's a value issue.
1: My name is Johnny Elsasser and I am a former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger and Tactical Commander to the U.S. Ambassador's Protective Detail. I have seen the struggle even the most hardened men have faced when they combat their inner demons and I am here to shine a light on those struggles to show that no man is exempt from adversity and internal pain. Men from all walks of life share their stories of hardship, darkness, and perseverance so that every man knows that whatever he is going through, he is not alone. Evolution for men begins now. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey everyone, today's episode is featuring Cash Hasworth. This is a really exciting episode for us today. And he is an accomplished entrepreneur, sales leader, and published author who empowers audiences to transform adversity into advantage. He is absolutely amazing. And he has been through such adversity in his youth that as he came out of that in his 20s, he really dominated the industry and focused on up-leveling himself both personally and professionally. And he takes on this conversation of sales, which I absolutely love in this episode. He takes on this conversation of sales to a level where people are so fearful of sales. But if you can be an expert saleswoman or salesman, you are going to have the opportunity to create whatever life you want for yourself. But you need to be willing to put in the work, be willing to hear the no's, and also be willing to be resilient in your life. So we dive into that and a lot more in this episode with Cash. Enjoy it. Make sure you take some notes, especially if you feel that sales are part of your life, which pretty much everybody they are. You should be focusing on a lot of what Cash has to say. And make sure you go and get his book as well. We're going to have that link in the show notes, so make sure you guys go to click back and sit down, enjoy the episode, and i will see y'all around the corner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Art of Masculinity. We are on today with Cash Hasworth. What is going on, brother? What is up, man? Happy to be here. Yeah, I love it, man. I'm really excited to jam with you. You and I have had a chance to talk a little bit. You're also highly recommended by a dear friend of mine. So, so excited to get your message out there and just talk about, I mean, your experience too, just your lifestyle, what you've come up with is is really powerful and impactful. And I think a lot of guys are going to learn some really good skills from uh, this particular conversation. So very excited to dive in with you today.
0: I hope so. Let's get it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it, brother. Well, you know, we we talk about your lead up into the show. So they got to hear a little bit about who you are and why you're even doing the things you are today. But I can never do as much justice as you can to your background. Yeah. So I want to take us back a little bit to start this out and take us back to kind of where you came from to even provoke you to start on this journey in entrepreneurship and impacting the world the way you do today.
0: Yeah, man, I grew up in a rough environment. I felt I wasn't really exposed to to the right information and the right influences. And providing people with the right information has has really been at the forefront of all of my endeavors. So when you know I got into the corporate space and was just helping take that that company to the next level and starting my own companies, I, I've always cherished setting clear expectations, providing people with the right information and giving people the, the tools and the resources that's necessary to really go out and win, because it's something that I felt I've always lacked. So, you know, once I finally got the platform to, to help give people all the tools and resources and information to go out and, and, and really thrive, you know, I took advantage of it. So, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a sales leader.
1: <laughs> yeah, brother. I, I love it because you like, we're going to dive into this because you have you've gotten the tools and like you went out and got the tools and you didn't have an easy life growing up and it wasn't super accessible to you, but you took advantage of the power of ownership. You took advantage of your own authenticity and who you were and you allowed yourself to flourish, which has given you this opportunity to do what you do and be so effective. And so I wanna take you back, like you mentioned like the hardship in life, what was it like growing up for you? Like what was, what were you experiencing that really put you? In the position of being more of a statistic than the opportunity to be a successful entrepreneur,
0: yeah, um, my pops was he was just a notorious drug dealer i mean that's that's the reality of it, and growing up, you know he was he was in and out of my life just doing small bids here and there for various crimes, and that was the environment that I grew up in, and I inherited that trade, so to speak, at a very early age, roughly around 14. So that's just what I was exposed to and everything that comes with that, right? The the people that's in that environment and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's, that's what I come from. But, uh, you know, I ended up getting getting involved with, with the wrong people and just making poor decisions and ultimately landed in prison for two years when I was 16. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, so you got in prison
1: at 16 and up until that point, like your kind of guidance from men wasn't super positive, right? Like it was, it was kind of teaching you this other seedier lifestyle. So you got to prison and you had to be there for two years. What was that like to sit in that and have that influence, especially at such a young age? And you're seeing all these other men around you. When you look yeah. back at that time right now, what was what was that like for you to to really have those men as your teachers in an environment that
0: most people can't even imagine being in? Sure, you know, I, I think truthfully, I believe that prison was the best thing that ever happened to me. Going through that kind of upbringing, it forced me to grow up very quickly and adapt. It forced me to be resourceful right it forced me to just take ownership of of everything and you know i've always said that going through that adversity and that difficulty is the best thing that ever happened to me because you know when you grow up with that level of intensity it's either going to breed a ton of fear and you're just going to cave or it's going to make you the strongest person in the room and mm-hmm. for me, I believe that was my outcome. And I think the reason why I've been so successful in, in the corporate space is because I've never been intimidated by anyone in the corporate space because mm-hmm. of the exposure that I've had in the environment that I grew up in, right? Because there's, there's there's no amount of of difficulty and intensity that can sink below the level that I've already been exposed to. So I've never been intimidated by anyone, and and I think that's that level of confidence going into the corporate space is why I've been able to be so successful. And and um, yeah, yeah, I, I would say it's just getting getting that exposure so early on was really the best thing that ever happened to me, man. It it, it truly was because it it forced me to grow up very quickly.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I see a lot of guys in the world today and like, if they experience adversity, right, they become their biggest critic and just beat themselves down mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And I want to open up that door for you a little bit, because I think like, obviously you gain so much power in that experience, but you could have easily gone the other way. Right. And you could have a whole
0: different direction. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You could have easily just beaten the shit out of yourself internally and and not seeing the path that you have now. Yeah. What was the internal conversation you were having when you made that decision to be like, I'm not, I'm not going to play the negative card anymore in life?
0: Uh, you know, I I've never been, I've always been white, like it's just ingrained in my DNA. To mm-hmm. be a victor and not a victim, so I've mm-hmm. never once had any kind of victim kind of mentality it's It's not who I am; it's never who I've been. so mm-hmm. it, that was something that was more just an innate kind of thing for me personally so but I, I think people that do have a victim mentality, the easiest way to get out of it, obviously is to shift that perspective. um how you shift that perspective that's the question, right. You know, how do you go from a, from a victim kind of mentality to a, to a victor and take ownership of everything, take responsibility for your life and your decisions and and go out and win. If I had to put a finger on it, I would say, you know, it, it's, it's purely perspective. You know, it's just mm. how you see the world that your perspective is shaped by your experiences. But I don't know, man, I, I, I'd say perspective is probably one of the most powerful things for somebody to, to, to really take ownership of, of their life and, and go out and, and really thrive just having the right perspective.
1: Yeah. It's, it, I agree with you. And I also add into that is that so many men, especially as we get older, they, they find it hard to shift their perspective, right? You, you know, the old saying, an yep. old dog can't learn new tricks, you know, That's it. you find, uh, you find a lot of guys get stuck in that. And so yeah. as people grow and they hardened in this position of perspective and and they just think that it's too difficult to change, is there any advice that you have that you maybe even experienced with some men in prison that you could be like, hey, man, yeah. these guys used to think that too, but here's what
0: they did? Really good question. I would say that you have to look at adversity as more of an advantage than a disadvantage. You have to understand, just put it into perspective that, you know, God is going to put you in the valleys, in the deepest points of your life to be able to give you the skill set and the tools that's necessary to climb the mountain, you know, to get to the top. So I think it's just a matter of understanding that, that everything isn't happening to you. It is happening for you. Mm -hmm. And once you understand that, it, it unlocks a ton of potential within yourself.
1: It's almost like, uh, the deeper, the Valley, the higher, the peak that you have to reach. Right. Most certainly. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's a really, I've never thought of it that way, but hearing you explain that, I was like, Oh yeah, dude. Because like, that means that whether you believe God or universe or source, whatever it is, it has a plan for you to actually reach such high exp- like such high peaks it had to put you in such deep valleys right and like that's a really cool way to look at Dude, already dropping wisdom bombs bro you
0: just got to understand it's working for you and not not against you
1: yeah yeah i love that well i want to dive into your success as an entrepreneur and uh, obviously you re- you reference being a sales leader and there's a, there's a couple things here that are terrifying <laughs> yeah. so The first thing, being a sales leader, and you you obviously, you have your book, Selling Keeps You Broke, yeah. and you have leveraged your experience in the entrepreneurship world. So what was it like to first hop into the entrepreneurship world after prison, and then number two, take on one of what people view as the hardest things out
0: there, which is selling? Yeah. Everything that we do revolves around selling in some form or fashion, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's a nonprofit organization or federally funded program, right? Mm. There's so much selling involved, even though they don't have a physical product. They have a service and they have to sell the the, the brand and and the effectiveness of the program in order to continue to get funding. So selling revolves around everything that we do. But, you know, it was a long journey for me to go out and and start my own business. I, I didn't come out and immediately start my business. When I first got out, I actually... Had a very unique opportunity in the wireless industry. He's a brother of mine now, but you know when I first started in the wireless industry he was he was at a point the owner of the company that I started working for. He had a few locations uh a few retail locations selling phones in malls and and just in line stores and it, that's where I got my start at selling is working part time in in this wireless kiosk in this shabby little dying mall. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I understood that, you know, first coming out of prison, getting exposed to to that, that position and given that opportunity, I knew that I didn't want to go back to the lifestyle that I lived previously. So it's, yeah. you know, I I have to make this work. There is no other option. Either I find a mm. way or I make a way. And I understood that if I'm going to make this work and and catapult to the forefront of this industry, that, you know, I have to be the best at what I do in every position on my way to the top. So that's what I set out to do. And, you know, when I first started out selling in in that kiosk, I'd say the biggest thing for me was just taking a ton of initiative and absorbing all the best practices from top performers that, that were currently in the organization. So one thing that I did was just identified people that were really good at what they did Analyzed their their behaviors and their thought process and and their actions and just adopted those those best practices and behaviors to kind of make the most elite version of myself and it just you know started to to scale from there. Within my first year, I was the top rep within the company uh, as a salesperson and. Then I got into leadership and started managing that location. And then I took on another opportunity and then another opportunity. And we just eventually scaled that company to, to 28 locations across four states. Did really well for a strong decade. Mm. And then um, there was a couple acquisitions and, and mergers that took place that essentially dissolved that company. And it forced me, you know, I was back to zero. Like this is... Mm-hmm. This is everything that I knew for the last 11 years. And now here I am, you know, the owner sold the company because he was kind of in a position where he had to because we were an authorized retailer for a company called Intellos Wireless. Mm-hmm. And Intellos got acquired by Sprint. And then Sprint, now I'm sure you know this, merged with with T-Mobile. Yeah. And that was basically the demise of our business. So the, the owner started exploring an exit strategy, sold the company, and then here I am working my way up to the top as a VP of sales within the company. And, and I'm back in the marketplace overnight mm. with uh, virtually no notice. Wow. So, you know, that was, that was tough. Just trying to figure it out. Cause here I am back in the marketplace as a felon yeah. thinking that, you know, my opportunities are, are limited and, you know, I was making a a pretty healthy income and it's like, man, how am I going to replace this? Yeah. Uh, and it just broke me down mentally because at this point, Mm. you know, when, when you're making decent money and your lifestyle gets adjusted to that income. Yeah. So here I am with $1,500 rent, two car payments, two kids. And, um, you know, it, it was challenging, but you know, an opportunity presented itself. I got into the solar industry, uh, as a commission only kind of position, did extremely well, catapulted to the forefront of that industry. I was their top rep for the company that I was working for at the time. I was their top rep out of 400 and some odd people out of 16 state footprint, did extremely well. And next thing you know, two and a half years into that, they go under. So here I am making over 300 <laughs> k triple my income from the previous opportunity, and yeah. I'm back in the marketplace once again. So, you know, at that point, it was, I have to take control of my destination, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where I founded uh, Solar Ignite Group, the solar company, and really started to, to work for myself.
1: Wow, man. So it's
0: been a, a very long journey to, to
1: entrepreneurship. Dude, that's a humbling journey too. to continually get go from like heights to being knocked back down. And then obviously with your record, like that's anybody that understands that that is not in any way, shape or form helpful, like to what you were trying to do, which was just ultimately have a good quality of life and obviously highly skilled. Yeah. But to get humbled that way, man, that, that would break a lot of people. I'm really. It's hum- yeah, it's it's certainly a humbling experience for sure. Yeah, I I'm like very in awe of you to to have that ability. Especially, you know, I think in a lot of cases when you come from like your position of like VP and then you got to get put yep. back in the trenches, let alone like if we take your yep. past and just put that to the side, yep. for someone to get put back in the trenches from being like VP, that alone yeah. like there e- a lot yeah. of people's ego would be like I'm not doing this, you know, and you're like yeah. what was that what was
0: that mindset for you? I've never been a title leader. Yeah. Right. Um, I I have no problem getting it like that's where I thrive. That's where I have the most fun is being in the trenches and and just proving myself to me going through that elevation process all over again. So I took it more as a challenge than anything. Mm. You know, I came in with my ego checked and you know I had a goal. I wanted to make X amount within you know a certain point of time and and um, I made it happen. So you know, ego has has never been a challenge for me because the, the opportunity within this company, I made over 300k within my first year as yeah. you know a commission only sales rep. So seeing that opportunity and what I could, how I could elevate my family and yeah. be a, a more strengthened provider for my kids, coming from you know 150k from the previous opportunity thousand percent ego doesn't even exist you know when 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 you have that kind of opportunity in front of you so dude
1: that's such a i I love this because you talked about perspective earlier on the show and now you just gave people an actual way in which you did this in your life which i think a lot of people can relate to most certainly seeing themselves like we can all imagine ourselves at a vp level or an e-suite level and then the company either going under or being sold And then you got to be back in the trenches and build your way back up like you weren't handed another VP position, which most people think that that would have been the case. But with especially with your background, that just was almost not not going to happen. Right.
0: Yep. And this company, you know, they, they had a very structured elevation path. You had to come in. Everyone at every level of leadership within that organization was promoted internally. So everyone had to start from the bottom and you had to work your way up. That's just how it was. And, and they had a very successful, successful elevation process. And I admired it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those structures are what make
1: businesses effective and efficient, right? And so like, and then when it's kind of like human beings, when you hold to your integrity, you tend to have the results that you desire. And so like, they're like, Hey, cash, I get it. You were VP, but you got to go through our process to get back up in the food chain. Yep. And that's, they held integrity to it. So there's a lot of respect for
0: that, you know? Most certainly. Yeah. And, um, I knew that, I could get to where I wanted to go as, as long as I showed my value. Yeah. And that was noticed very quickly. Yeah. So there's a couple of things here I want to dive
1: into. And one of them was you talked about leadership, right? And how that became a part of your path. Were you always a leader or was that something that just showed up as you started to create success in the business?
0: Yeah, it, it really started to show itself when I was given the opportunity to manage the first wireless location, I don't know. It's something I've always done very well. Uh, you know, I think at the heart of leadership is just clear, consistent, and honest communication. Like a lot of people just overcomplicate leadership. It's not that complicated. You don't have to mm-hmm. have an MBA in order to be, you know, a very strong, business minded leader in any kind of field. It's just one, communicating clearly. hmm and I think that's really what helped me elevate so rapidly within that organization because he loved how I communicated. You know, I would always communicate with my team very consistently, send out numbers, have calls and and just keep everybody aligned. I just made the main thing, the main thing, right? We folk were <laughs> a sell, we're a for-profit sales organization. Yeah. Our number one goal is to sell as much as we can, as quickly as we can. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think a lot of people, deviate from that and they want to have conference calls for, you know, eight hours every single day. It's like, you know, that's taken away from the efforts that can be, you know, on the front line, getting the result that you want to go after, you know? Yeah. So just keeping the main thing, the main thing, communicating clearly, having proper expectations, having those accountability conversations, not managing behind an email. So just some foundational principles that I adopted that, you know, made leadership pretty easy for me.
1: Dude, these are great, man. I think this is a a very, very um, informational point to leadership. And I love that you said that people overcomplicate it. I found, especially because I've been working for the government for a long time, like they're the most inefficient Group of all, and they're mm-hmm. also their yeah. their leaders are a joke, right? The, the leaders, and we're not talking about like yep. political parties. I'm talking about just leadership in general. And the government is a joke, and mm-hmm. a lot of it is like there's this grandiose view that they're a leader, so they have to like yep. import their authority where they can. Which this is those eight hour meetings, right? Like <laughs> yeah, this is where I need to have an eight hour meeting with everybody because I need them to know how important I am. Yep, and um, I think that was really cool that you you kind of like just cut through the bullshit and you're like how can we be an effective and efficient team? And that that right there is what I think makes great leaders
0: 100%. And so when you look, oh go ahead. I I just say before I lose my 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 thought process here. Yeah, yeah. People think of leadership, a lot of people do. Not everyone, but a lot of people look at leadership as their way out to Work less, right? Yes. To kind of let off the gas pedal, and you're not going to get the results that you want to get. You're not going to have a sustainable, thriving sales organization if that's your goal is to work less. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where you really have to go on all cylinders and and continue to to push forward and and continually get better each and every day and you know, I think that's where a lot of leaders fail is is they look at it as, as their way out to work less. 100%. And they start managing out of convenience and they start working, you know, start managing people through email because they don't want to be engaged in the business, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good perspective.
1: And it's also that they, they tend to only want to manage when there's a
0: problem, not proactively manage, right? A thousand percent. You know, I, I'd say When it comes to accountability, that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions out there is is accountability should should only happen when something bad happens, right? When there's Mm -hmm. when there's failure, when there's someone that's that's not taking on their their responsibilities and you have to have those difficult conversations. If that's the only time that you're having those accountability conversations, you're going to lose influence with your team. So, you know, accountability should be something that you do consistently and it should be for the good and the bad right? Mm-hmm. It, accountability is simply just setting proper expectations and following up on those expectations, right? Good or bad. Because what happens is you now create the opportunity for those proud report ups. Somebody mm-hmm. who wants to brag about what they've been able to accomplish, right? And that creates opportunity for praise. So mm-hmm. now when you have to have those difficult conversations, they revert back to or reflect back where you did have, you know, those encouraging conversations and, and praising them for their work and and what they've achieved, so difficult conversations become so much easier when you're more mm. consistent with those accountability conversations. Oh, dude, beautifully said, brother. That is
1: beautifully said. I think guys can even take this and and take a look at their relationships and how they're being leaders yep. there, and if they're lacking that communication to in in both realms, right, in that accountability. Most certainly. Yeah. Dude, this is amazing. I love this. So that leadership role you took on, now this is another thing because I talk about leadership with men in other forums and one of the things that you did, you didn't just lead, you mentioned that you started to even educate yourself on this. And this is where I think a lot of people also they think that just leading from experience is good enough. And I think that that, that is yeah. a misconception. So you talk about leading how you kind of like put yourself in the environment of learning more about it. What was that like for you or what could you pass off from that journey where you're like, hey, I'm open to receiving now more information so I can benefit the team?
0: What do you mean as far as just getting better as a, as a leader and continually improving? is that what you're saying? Yeah. That
1: and that, whether there was techniques where there was, specific, whether it was specific, um, educational, like information you sought out that was external yeah. to experience. Like, what was that like? Cause I see a lot of guys block themselves from those things. So I'm trying to open that conversation for them to look at it differently and and to see how maybe you did it in your life.
0: Yeah. Number one, the owner of the, the wireless company, Daryl Turner, he was one of the most brilliant minds that I've come across. Like he, I couldn't have asked for a better mentor. Mm -hmm. So he gave me just so, so many insights to manage and lead effectively. And it just starts with having your ego checked, being receptive, um, being able to filter out all the bullshit too. But I would just encourage anyone that's really looking to elevate their leadership. Like it's, the target is forever moving, right? There's no mm-hmm. final destination for, you know, your leadership ability. So you have to continually learn every day. Like the people that are on their shit, on the top of their game, they are consistently getting better and they are they don't live in this place of stagnation or complacency. So yeah. focus on learning something new every single day you know, Mm -hmm. find a few categories that that you really want to master, whether it be marketing, whether it be communication, accountability, recruiting, whatever. Right. And just immerse yourself in that information and continually, you know, learn something every single day. So Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I've always done. And I still do it today. And I teach my kids the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, my oldest, for example, he's 12. And before he can touch his PS5, or any gaming system, he has to watch at least three videos of my choice. So he's been on this kick lately where he's watching, um, a ton of, um, business made simple videos by Donald Miller. Okay. So Donald Miller shares a ton of like bite-sized nuggets about leadership and marketing and, and, uh, communication and, and a whole bunch of different, you know, business tips. But, you know, he's, that's explosive for really taking your your skill set to the next level is just picking up those gems from Donald Miller. I've always been a big fan of him. But find mm-hmm. people that are great at what they do, cherry pick what you love, discard what you don't, and just continually elevate your your skill set.
1: I love that, man. It's a very bite-sized compartmentalized way to approach boosting your abilities as a leader. And it's not often shared that way. So I appreciate you having that perspective and having and giving that kind of wisdom because most guys don't see it that way. They they think that it's going to be a lot more difficult or they have this yep. huge mountain to climb. And it's like, no, man, that compartmentalization is what's going to make that mountain very um, accessible. Yeah, to you, I, so.
0: it's truly why I've been able to, to go out and thrive and, and catapult to the forefront of any industry that I've ever been able to penetrate. And initially in my book, I talk about it. I call it the FAR framework. Mm. So FAR, F-A-A-R. It's find, find people that are really good at what they do, analyze, analyze those behaviors and practices and thought processes, adopt, right. And then continually refine that process. So when I first started out in, in the wireless industry, I just did it instinctively. I didn't have a cute title for it, but, the guy that was training me was super talented. Like he was, Mm -hmm. he was the best salesperson in the organization and understood that if I was really going to master this role as, as a top performing salesperson, then I had to adopt what the top performers are doing. So Mm -hmm. if you're in a new industry or even if, you know, you're not getting the results that you are, no matter how long you've been in whatever industry, find people that are absolutely crushing it. Cherry pick what you love, discard what you don't. I mean, it's, it's that mm. simple and step out of your comfort zone. Like for me, this guy was so charismatic. He could get anyone to stop in their tracks and speak to him. He was witty, super funny guy, very charismatic. And we were in a mall environment, right? And mm. those are the people that you typically avoid eye contact with. Yeah. And it, I was not comfortable with it by any means, but I understood that if I was going to be successful here, I got to step out of this bubble. I got to get I got to step into discomfort and I would just cherry pick everything that he did that that was effective, that got people to stop and started talking to bypassing people. And and it just continually got better. You know, I hated talking to people when I first started. (laughs) (laughs) uh, like trying to get people to engage with me. That's walking by the kiosk because I understand most people avoid engagement with, with those people. So I didn't love it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if, if I wanted to get the results that I wanted to get, I had to step into that discomfort, you know? So you just got to ask yourself, which is greater the result or your excuse to not get it. Mm. Oh man. Mike
1: drop right there. I love that. That is so good. The result or your excuse not to get it. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. That's it. I love that because uh, it's so easy. I mean, you put, you, you probably, that's probably, in my opinion, one of the hardest sales jobs on the planet because, yeah, people avoid those people. Yep. And you challenged yourself and you reframed the objective of like, hey, if I'm not seeing the results I want, I need to do something different. And I think that's also an important lesson you're giving here for everybody out there. It's like, if you're not receiving the sol- results you want, do something different than what you've been doing or else you'll just continue to receive those same results. And that's really cool. I love that you brought up the book because that was my next destination on this conversation. I really want to dive into this because you have a title to the book that is tantalizing, right? Selling keeps you broke. Yep. It's almost like everybody's like, cash, that's a walking contradiction. It can't keep you broke. Selling, yeah, right? Like, what do you mean?
0: moron, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, let's talk a little bit about Open Up the Door. What was the impetus behind that title? And then I want to dive into some of the lessons that you, because you've already touched on FAR, yep. right? And so I want to dive into some of those. But what was the impetus for that title to engage people?
0: Yeah. So the, the full title is a holistic approach to disruptive sales performance to earn big. So mm-hmm. essentially selling keeps you broke. You know, first of all, I want to make the distinction. Sales and selling is two very different things, right? So uh-huh. if you're getting sales, those are successful transactions that you know, leads to you receiving money. Right. But when I say that selling keeps you broke, all I really mean is people would rather be cute. People spend more time trying to be cute and clever and witty with customers than they do trying to be effective. Mm. And I, I think a lot of people just overcomplicate the simplicity that selling at a high level really takes. Mm. So you always give the analogy, you know, I, I have three boys, so all ages, 12, five and two, and all of them have always loved watercolors. So mm-hmm. in the bath, you get the little, the little color drops that you put in the, in the the bathtub and turns whatever color the, the tablet. But I think selling is the equivalent of you know if if you drop one of those blue tablets in, into the tub and it turns this beautiful blue color and then you drop a green one into it and it turns this beautiful turquoise color great right but the moment you start adding more and more colors right yellow and red and purple and the uglier it gets yeah the muddier it gets it gets this kind of gray color and I think selling is is the same way you have to keep it super simple. I'll give you an example of what I said earlier, where people would rather be witty and cute than effective. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a Facebook group chat where they tackle objections across any industry. But one person made a post and they said, you know, customer says I don't make decisions same day. How can I tackle this objection? How do you guys handle this? And like 98% of these is just insulting the customer basically and just trying to be whoever. They're just competing for who can be the most witty, right? Uh-huh. As opposed to being the most effective. So one person said, well, Mr. Customer, you know, if you go through a drive through, how long does it take you to make a same-day decision there? Yeah, Like you basically just insulted the customer. Yeah. Uh, As opposed to adopting something that's a little more uh, effective. So how I would handle that situation is also talk about this in the book. I call it the evoke method, EVOC. So evoke stands for extract, validate, overcome, close. You extract the, the reservation, you validate it, right? You overcome it. Once you have that reservation, that customer is basically telling you what you have to overcome in order to close this deal, right? And then you ask for their business. So what I would do in this situation is simply say, Hey, look, so on a scale of one to 10, Mr. Customer, where do you think you stand? 10 being love it cash. Let's get this thing in motion. One being get out of my house. And once they give you that number, I'll say the customer says they're an eight. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what are those two points that's keeping you from being a 10? Mm -hmm. And then they might say, well, yeah, I just need to think about it. Okay. Well, if you had to put a finger on your, your biggest reservation, what would it be? And you continue to peck at that and chip away at it until you extract the real reservation. Yeah. And then you, they eventually get to, well, it's a little more expensive than I thought. Yeah. So what I would do in that situation is build value, right? Because typically people don't buy purely based on price. They, they buy because they don't see the value that is associated with that price. So right. it's, it's not a price issue. It's a value issue. Mm -hmm. So I would tackle that, reinforce any kind of value, you know, just emphasize that typically when people buy cheap, they end up buying twice, Mm. right? Price is usually offset by either quality or quantity. Mm -hmm. Reinforce my value, whatever those value talking points are, and then ask for their business and just continue to go through that that process until we get to a final yes or no. And I'm good Mm -hmm. with either. Just yeah. don't leave me in that gray area. Yeah, yeah. That right there, that
1: that's gold. Even to me, man, I freaking love this. Selling for me has been one of those things that I, I created a sticky story around, uh, especially getting into the entrepreneurship yeah. space. And the more I have conversations with people like yourself who are very authentic and genuine, it reminds me of that no, we as human beings create stories and we create our own limitations. And sometimes we do yep. need help getting past that. And you're just trying to help people really find what is the block and to give an actual real answer. And so I love, I love that. Dude, I love that. Thank you for that example, by the way. That was really good. Yes, sir. <laughs> so um diving more into this. I know you mentioned the FAR method. We have evoke. I mean, guys, if you're, if you're not wanting to get this book already, I don't know what's wrong with you. Cause I'm I'm like, I got to hop off here and buy it.
0: (laughs) I got to hop off here and buy it. Um, You you have to understand you're not, you're not just learning from my experience. I have literally hired, trained, learned from hundreds and thousands of people throughout my career and a ton yeah. of top performers. So you're, you're really getting the best of, of everything that I've been exposed to throughout my, throughout my career. Yeah, that's beautiful, bro. And I've come across you know people that are extremely more talented than I am. Yeah, no, it's uh,
1: that's really beautiful. And obviously you've made this, you've done a great job making it, just listening to you, you've already made it a great job for people who are not in that industry or people who are new mm-hmm. to that industry to be able to absorb that information. So yep. yeah, I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah. And just to expand on it, the book is really broken down into four parts. The the mindset, every the first part of the book is purely about mindset and, and having the right perspective. Yeah. And then I dive into what I call the triple C path to victory. That was my next question. So the triple C it stands for, yeah. So it stands for the creator, the closer, and the care champ. And okay. essentially the creator says that having a great product means nothing if nobody knows about it. So mm-hmm. in everything that comes with that of, of how to get your product or service in front of people to create the opportunities that you need to get to the next step, which is to close because at the end of the day, you don't get paid for marketing the idea. You don't get paid for selling. You get paid for closing. So if you're not closing, yeah. you're just practicing, right? Yep. <laughs> So we we, I love that. we dive into a lot of best practices there with the closer chapter or part. And then the care champ is basically, the care champ essentially keeps the creator and the closer in check to make sure that there's quality, to make sure that there's integrity, to make sure that you just have this like intense focus to have a, provide an unparalleled customer experience for your customer. Because Once you really start to sell at high levels and you master creating your own opportunities and you master the closer role and your rock star closer, you have to be able to sustain those results. Yeah. And what a lot of top performers do is they kind of float in and out of being a top performer and average because they start taking shortcuts and not prioritizing Uh. the customer experience, you know, and they start leaning more on the customer service department. When the most effective way to put the care champ into, a, into perspective is you have to own that customer experience and you have to pretend that customer service does not exist. Mm. They can't be your crutch. You got to stop taking shortcuts in, in hopes that customer service is going to pick up the slack where you fell short. So just owning that, yeah. that customer service experience.
1: It's almost like giving the customer service before the customer service is engaged, right?
0: Yeah, a thousand percent.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: That's what a lot of leaders do when they start to sell at a high level is just take shortcuts and don't prioritize that experience. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's great to be a top performing closer, but you also need to be able to sustain that high level of performance. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. And it's almost like um, they're like, oh, I can close. And so I'm just going to keep closing and closing and closing. And I'm just going to focus on that. And then the rest of it kind of falls to the wayside. Is that kind of the mentality they're rolling with? A thousand percent. Yep. Yeah. So how do we get people to, well, I guess you already told us because that's that part of the triple C's, right? So um, that's how we get them past that and and reform or reframe that uh, idea around creating success and then just leaning on that one piece of success, right?
0: Yep, thousand percent.
1: Yeah, this is really good, brother. I love this. What's um, I'm very curious. After writing my own book, I'm very curious with you. When you came up with this book, were you solving the problem for your younger self? Did you see, or did you see a lot of people struggling that you're like, I can really help them? Like, what was what was your provocation from that standpoint?
0: Yeah, um, to be fully transparent, you know, I would say. It's more of, I want to give my kids the blueprint to go out and truly thrive. Mm. So it really came from a place of, I'm not holding anything back. There's no fluff in the book. It's actionable, it's concise, and it's real. There's not a lot of fluff in the book. I set out to create the most effective sales book that's in the marketplace. Mm. Not just because... There's some ulterior motive behind it. It's, I truly want to just leave my kids the blueprint to go out and win. Mm-hmm. So it it started with that. Again, providing the right information is what I lacked growing up. And it's why it's at the forefront of any endeavor that I pursue. Mm hmm.
1: Well, that's, you know, I love hearing that because that tells me it's a good book just in that because you weren't even writing it for yourself uh, in the past or even for a client. You literally were writing it for your kids. And I don't know that there's a bigger motivator in life than being like, I want my kids to succeed. Right. Most certainly. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Because also, one of the things, and obviously being on the art of masculinity, one of the things that we talk about with men is like, we need actionable tools. Men don't like, Mm-hmm. in action. They don't like n- non non-solving results, right? Like they want the problem yep. to actually be solved. And so I feel just as what you've written because I'm definitely getting this book too, but I feel just as what you've spoken about. There's already a ton of actionable things that I can take on myself and perform in my business, right? Yep. Most certainly. Yeah, and um What's one of the last pieces that you think was so you gave us already a lot of gold. Mm-hmm. What's one of the last pieces from the book that you real feel really really connected to that you think is going to change the way an entrepreneur handles their business or a new entrepreneur even looks at their business?
0: Yeah. I would say probably one of the most powerful pieces in the book is this idea that I call success amnesia. And basically what that represents is after every win, after every victory, you're back to zero. You have to play this Mm -hmm. mental game with yourself that I don't care if you just made $20,000 in your last appointment, you have to go into that next opportunity into that next appointment as if that last deal is going to cancel as if you're three months behind on your rent, as if you Mm. can't afford milk for your two year old toddler. And having that kind of reset allows you to go into that next opportunity with the same amount of vigor, with the same amount of confidence, with the same amount of enthusiasm that allowed you to close that previous appointment. Mm. So a lot of people, when they get some wins under their belt, they start getting complacent, complacent. And, you know, that's just the birthplace for stagnation. And, Mm and, You know, I, I truly think it's why I've been able to, to to do so well, is because I've always treated, especially in in the solar industry, because you know you're in in people's homes each and every day running appointments. So, yeah. if I had a super successful week and and you know I've already made fifteen twenty whatever thousand dollars in a week, I didn't let like I have bills to pay. Mm -hmm. I got kids to provide for, you know, I'm not letting off the gas. You know, my goal is to make as much money as I can as quickly as I can. Right. Because I cherish freedom. Yeah. Freedom of my time, having the ability to control my time and not let time control me. So that's just kind of been at the, the forefront of how I approach every opportunity. Yeah. This whole idea of success amnesia. Yeah. I, I, I'm stealing that from
1: you, bro. That's so good. (laughs) Success amnesia. That is so good, dude. I love that. I need to um, incorporate that a little more into my own business. You know, that's a really great mentality. And I love that. I love that. It um, really does put things in perspective. It's not like you're not acknowledging that you did something well, but it is also giving you the ability to say, Hey man, yeah, you did it well. Cool. Move on. We have the next game coming up, right? We have the next match coming up, yeah. So, I love that, bro. This has been such a fun conversation, man. You have such great wisdom. I highly, obviously, recommend people buying your book. Selling keeps you broke, man. This is awesome. With Cash Hasworth, make sure you guys go find that. Cash. Where can people find you? How can they get in your ecosystem? And do you have anything out there for people other than the book that if they're looking for uh, interacting you with? or getting involved in, they can be a part of.
0: Yeah, man. So I'm on all social media channels. It's Cash Hasworth. It's Cash with a K. You know, if you're passionate about, you know, taking your skill set to the next level, give me a follow. So I'm, I'm always sharing a ton of bite-sized nuggets on sales and leadership and recruiting and, and everything in between. As far as any other endeavors at the moment, you know I have one that's in the works. I won't reveal too much about it, but follow me on social media and continue to, to watch that journey unfold. Oh,
1: beautiful, brother. Yeah. And we'll, we'll link your stuff in the show notes and connect you guys with Cash on there. So if you are driving, don't have the ability to check Cash out, go ahead and make sure you check out the show notes. Brother, before we hop off here, uh, I got to ask you sure. my final question, which is, what does the art of masculinity mean to you?
0: The art of masculinity. Man, that's, that's a really good question. I would say at the heart of masculinity is just taking ownership of everything around you, stepping up to the plate when things aren't easy, taking responsibility, and just continuing Continuing to be a provider for yourself and your family.
1: Mm. I love that, brother. That is so good. Oh, appreciate you, man. I appreciate the conversation. Again, everybody, go grab Cash's book, Selling Keeps You Broke. You're an amazing human being, brother. I, I love, I'm glad we got introduced. I'm very excited to watch you continue to grow and impact on your mission and just the good hearted nature that you have. I can tell and the genuine nature that you have, you're an honest person. And that that is uh, few and far between sometimes in this world. So I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for being on the show.
0: Yes, sir. I appreciate you, Johnny.
1: All right. And to everybody else, as always, remember that the world deserves a better caliber of man and it's our obligation to give it to him. Thanks.